Hi and welcome to Make Space for Nature from Nature Scott, the podcast that celebrates Scotland's nature and landscapes. I'm Kirsten Guthrie and in each episode we'll help you connect with and take care of our amazing natural world. In this episode, Tim Hancocks and I find out how to safely forage in Scotland with Nature Scott's staff Ellie Carlyle and Kat O'Brien. Kat is a bryophytes, fungi and lichens advisor and Ellie enjoys foraging with family in her spare time. Hello and welcome to both Kat and Ellie who are joining us for the first time on the Make Space for Nature podcast. Just to introduce everybody to who you are, uh, Kat, would you like to tell us what you do at Nature Scott? Hello, I'm the um, bryophyte, lichen and uh, fungi advisor, uh, which means I look after three large groups of um, organisms to make sure that we take them into account when making our conservation choices. And Ellie, you're, you're also based up in Inverness, same as Kat? I am. I'm a part of the Natural and Cultural Heritage Fund team. I'm a project and funding officer, which means I support projects in the Highlands who are developing infrastructure to help support uh, visitors and better access to the environment. Wonderful. And it's it's great to have you with us this week. And of course, uh, Foraging Fortnight has just kicked off very recently. So we're hoping to hear a bit from you too about your, your foraging experiences. Um, Kat is the chief identifier of numerous lichens and fungi. Uh, can you let us know a bit about what people should look out for if they're, they're out and about hopefully trying to find some mushrooms or anything else interesting during the, the foraging? Yeah, um, so... There's a lot of mushrooms out there and some of them are edible and we all know some of them aren't. So I think quite generalizably, um, there's some really good foragers out there and they know exactly what they're looking for. Um, and But it can be really scary to get in when you're a beginner. And even talking to a lot of my colleagues who really know fungi well, there are a couple of key species that you can be confident to go for. I myself only pick uh, chanterelle mushrooms um, because there are only a couple of lookalikes and the lookalikes won't kill you, which is an important thing, I think, when you're trying to get dinner. Um, But they can make you quite ill. So there is a level of risk associated with this, but it's still good fun to go foraging. So uh, I know some people will be quite nervous when when going foraging for some of those uh, reasons you've just outlined. You know the fear of getting sick for for picking the wrong wrong mushroom or or worse, you know, big, you know the the magic mushrooms that that people like to talk about and, and fear of picking those by mistake. So is there is there any way people? How should people know what to look for and what not to look for if they if they are a bit nervous? Um, So ideally, if you are a beginner, uh, there are foraging groups uh, around Scotland and there are um, mycology groups, that's the study of uh, fungi, uh, who can support you in your early forages. Um, And getting someone to say, yeah, that's good or uh, no, I'd avoid that one um, is obviously a massive confidence booster. There's also some species that you can go for that are easier uh, to identify and you're less likely to... um, make a mistake. Um, so even talking to my, my the predecessor of this job, uh, he only does um, chanterelles, puffballs, wood hedgehogs are quite recognizable, and boletes. Um, so there's a couple of groups of mushrooms that you can start out at. And then if you decide you want to go further, that's great. And if you don't, then you feel comfortable with just those ones, you can still get a good couple of meals out of that. 
Could you tell us um, just a little bit about Foraging Fortnite? I see that's on um, from the 3rd to the 18th of September. Would that be a good place to start for people if they could attend some of the events just to get an insight into what foraging is all about? Absolutely. I don't doubt that they'll have very good experts and also be pitched to people wanting to get in. Um, it's Foraging Fortnite is very exciting because we've lived in Scotland for a lot of many centuries and we've got a great cultural connection to our land and how we can use the land to collect wild food. Um, and it's the perfect uh, time to get out into environments that you've maybe not got so much experience of or see um, environments that you've been in lots of times and see them in a different way um, to gather food, um, which can get a lot of people interested, uh, which is absolutely fantastic. And we, um, in particular, got a lot of different mushrooms, which many of which are just beautiful. Um, and so getting out to see them um, and see what you can do um, is always a good thing. Absolutely. And I think um, one of the important things to say is we, we definitely encourage people, but also to tread carefully when, when people are out and about and um, follow the Scottish Wild Mushroom Code and, and also, of course, the Scottish Outdoor Access Code at all times. I suppose that would be quite a good place for, for people to look. Yeah, I had a member of the public asking like, ooh, I see lots of people going out picking mushrooms. How does this affect the mushrooms in the Kengorms? Um, and I wanted to let them know that picking mushrooms doesn't harm mushrooms. It's like picking uh, mushrooms are, well, harms the mushrooms, but um, mushrooms are the fruit body of fungus. And the fungus lives underground um, as thread-like hyphae. Um, and the mushrooms are like fruit bodies. So it's similar to picking blackberries off a bramble, you're not going to harm the fungus itself directly by just picking fruit bodies. Uh, however, you mentioned the uh, wild mushroom code. There's some things that we can do to still protect the fungus. Don't overcollect because they obviously still want to get some, um, the, the mushrooms pr um, produce spores, which are a bit like seeds that get the um, fungus to new places. Um, and so having your reproductive organ lost it can be a loss to the fungus um so don't over harvest know what you're picking because one you don't want to poison yourself uh, but two you may find some rare stuff in your area and that's really cool but obviously you don't want to harm it either and also things like don't really trample areas because the fungus is underground um so doing a lot of tromping about uh, can damage structures underground Thanks, Kat. I think that that's really helpful and, and useful for people to know the you know the the, bit, the most sustainable ways to go about and do the foraging. Um, and Ellie, am I right in saying you? I mean, mushrooms are not the only thing we we can look out for. Um, Ellie, I, I believe you you head out and and look for a few different things in your area. I do. Um, I go out foraging with my children mostly. Um, we do different things throughout the year, starting with. Um, Wild garlic in the spring, we harvest elderflowers to make elderflower cordial. The kids like doing that one because they can climb trees and clamber on each other's shoulders and get really involved there. Then coming through, we've been harvesting um, blackberries, obviously, and we will be coming up to elderberries quite soon, which are always a nice one to harvest too. And those are all favourites in our house. We use them to cook with and make jams and cordials. And uh, they get really enthusiastic about it, although they don't like getting jagged by the blackberries that much. 
So a nice way to you know do do it as a family as you as you highlight quite correctly there. So is this something you know anybody can do in most parts of, of Scotland? Absolutely. I mean, we choose where we pick carefully because you don't want to pick from right next to a road or somewhere where perhaps you're right next to a building site and they're going to be getting dust or pollution on them. Uh, it spoils the taste. You might be getting some chemicals in there. You don't really want inside your, your children or yourself. Um, but it's a really good way of teaching children about nature. It's a really good way about getting them enthusiastic about what they're eating and cooking. And I think, yeah, it's a great thing to do almost anywhere. Um, cities often have really good blackberry most of the places I go for blackberries are in town. We don't really go out into the country for those. Things like blaberries, you have to go out into the woods. But again, they're very close to most of the major cities in, in Inverness. So you don't have to go too far at all. And you can make a picnic off it and have a great day out. <laughs> Sounds like a great way to make space for nature and get everybody involved. I was just um, thinking about your wild garlic. What do you actually do with that? We we get lots around here. What do you make with that? Well, we, we have played pesto, but actually my kids don't like the pesto very much but we quite often just really finely chop it and put it into quesadillas or into pastas etc instead of spring onions or instead of actual onions on occasion and it, it really goes quite well into a pasta sauce wow sounds lovely i'll certainly be keeping that in, in mind uh, next is it sp- springtime isn't it when the well it's a springtime yeah. one and you'll you'll know when you find it it's mm, you can smell it from yeah here actually yeah <laughs> And uh, Ellie, do you have any any favourites as as far as things to look out for? Anything that you you've been collecting most recently? Well, most recently, we've been collecting blackberries, but I'm really looking forward to the elderberries coming through. We make a cordial with them. We add um, a few different spices, such as ginger, a bit of ginger, a bit of cinnamon, and it makes an almost mulled cordial, which my children and I really like drinking hot in the winter when you come in. It's a really nice soothing drink to to have at the end of a day and as you said anything that gives you a chance to make space for nature in in your life and and head outdoors especially as we we hold on to the last few rays of of light before um we're full into to autumn and and heading towards winter cats i don't know if there's anything you've given us some great tips about when looking for mushrooms i don't know if there's anything else that, that you go searching for um so i also am a great fan of pesto um my i've been introduced to wild garlic pesto this year and i've gone absolute fiend for it um i've tried it with a couple of different types of uh wild forage leaves so um there's a lot of tree leaves you can eat as well in the uk this isn't the best time of year for it but i eat them anyway i've been making ground elder um pesto is uh, a current lunchtime favorite. And one of the main reasons I forage uh, leaves is I have a pet rabbit. Uh, So I've researched the things that he can eat. Um, So I forage every night. I go out with a teacup and get ground elder, uh, lime leaves, uh, plantain, which I did have a little nibble on yesterday, knowing that I do this podcast. And there's some very strange tastes there. Um, And he can be quite snobby too. uh, But... um, he seems to like them. Um, Hawthorn, um, got some mint in my garden as well. So just a mix of lots of leaves, which are usually better in spring because they're a bit softer, but I still eat them. And um, it can be quite entertaining when um, when I was a student, we're living in a, in a town, I would be walking through the streets and I'd just 
pull a leaf off a tree and eat it. And everyone's faces were priceless. And it's worth learning foraging just for that. Absolutely. I can, I can only imagine. Yeah. Quite handy having a pet that you can literally go and pick their dinner from the garden and the nearby areas for anybody who might be wanting to to get a pet rabbit as long as you, you learn what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, you're going to have to tell us his name now or her name. Um, his name is uh, Royal Ascot, or Roy for short. He was a rescue rabbit, so uh, I didn't pick his original name. <laughs> Brilliant. I, I might be uh, going to find some. We've got a gerbil, so I might be trying to find some food for the gerbil. I'll, I'll research it, obviously, first. Yeah. As with all foraging, the key is research it first. Make sure it's not edible, not only for humans, but also for uh, pets and vice versa. Uh, I saw a... Uh, read a fantasy book and oh the squirrels are eating the um, fungus therefore it must be edible for humans well um, squirrels can eat fly agaric which is the the red one with the white spots your typical mushroom you think of but it's bad news for humans if you eat it so not everything that other animals can eat are also edible for humans mm-hmm. absolutely it's important to, to point that out and there's plenty of resources out there to to research um, these kind of things as well and what about the I mean, the health benefits of um, kind of natural foraging must be quite strong as well. I think I was watching a video about elderberry having a, a, a spoonful of um, elderberry juice. I can't remember now, but it's supposed to be good for you. Yeah, um, elderberries are really high in vitamin C and both elderberries and um Rose hips were used during the Second World War to try and boost up children's immune systems in syrups. So they they made they actually had sugar rations just for making those syrups up, so that children and pregnant women could have their immunity boosted up. Obviously, because they were on quite restricted diets, so they are a great way of getting some int- some different vitamins into them and of and green veg. Yeah, I uh, I did try nettles on my children. They were unimpressed spectacularly unimpressed in fact (laughs) Um, but it it was worth a try and they've got a lot of iron in them so uh, it it would have been good if it if it had worked but um, it was a no from us and that comes to one of the things don't forage for anything you don't actually like eating Mm -hmm. Um, just because you can it's not really worth it (laughs) absolutely have you have you tried nettle tea is that something do you like that I've never tried it I do make nettle tea, actually. I dry nettles uh, early in the spring because mm-hmm. the, the young ones do make a better tea than the older ones. And it is, it's pretty nice, actually, particularly if you mix it with mint. It makes a really refreshing dried tea. Mm. But yeah, just don't put it in your salads for, was my, was for my your children. takeaway from that. Apparently <laughs> <laughs> you can make soup too, but uh, I haven't tried that. Mm-hmm. I do think as well it's important to mention that there's lots of um, herb lore and remedies that come from nature. But again, knowing what you're doing and knowing that um, not if it has an effect on your body, there's a chance that there's a dosage effect as well. So you can eat too good, much of a good thing and that these things aren't a uh, replacement for prescription stuff. That's a really good point. Thanks, Kat. Yeah. We don't want people getting too far ahead of themselves and, and too excited about picking everything you need to get if, we, if we're not quite sure how it's going to affect their body. Ellie is certainly a lot braver than me with the with the nettles. I don't, I don't think I would go down that route. Yeah, I might not again. I'm not going to lie. But I know other people who love them. So it's one things. The thing about elderberries is you need to watch because you can't really, they will give you a tummy ache if you eat them raw in too large a quantity. And I remember being a child and eating 
a fair amount of raw elderberries and it not being the best night afterwards. So best to watch that one. And that's one of the things about foraging with children, actually, is just make sure that you tell them before you start to only pick things that you've approved because they get really enthusiastic and excited. So you do have to watch out that they're not about to eat something drastic that isn't isn't okay because once they've seen a few berries they can identify the world they feel the world is their oyster so you do have to watch them a bit but they get really good at identification really quickly um, so it's really useful just to give them some guidance right at the start and just keep reinforcing that don't eat anything you haven't checked with me don't eat anything under the under the height of a large dog's legs don't eat too pick too much off one bush so it's a really good way of getting them understanding a bit more about the world around them and and how they interact with it and um cat i don't know if if you know we always try to promote things like volunteering as part of this as well i don't know if there's anything you would hope people might be looking out for as far as invasive species or anything that that would be handy as far as identification if you're if you're out and about foraging during this this next few weeks I do believe there are, are apps um, and you can definitely find out more about our, on our, our website about, you know, you're going out into nature, you're learning some of the species to eat, but also there are species that we keep an eye out for. And it it's always fantastic to get people on board with looking for key, uh, key species that um, we want to, to monitor for um, invasive reasons uh, that are causing damage to um, our natural um environment um, and also some of the stuff that is good to forage um, is non-native species they're not necessarily invasive so not everything that's brought from another place becomes invasive and becomes actually damaging uh, but even things like i love eating ground elder that was actually introduced by the romans as a salad plant i think it does overtake quite a few gardens and disturbed ground wouldn't be surprised if whoever's listening to this may well have it in their garden and know it from uh, a gardener's bane and i don't know about you guys if not necessarily with uh, on the foraging theme but if there's if there's anything that that you particularly enjoy in your own lives um related to your work or just for yourself as far as getting outdoors and, and things you enjoy doing that you would recommend to anybody else uh, ellie do you want to go first yeah, I mean, I love to go out, get out on my bike um, with the kids particularly, but by myself as well. Um, we are really into biking out for, for fun walks, but also for transport. And you see things, you see nature very differently when you're on a bike than in a car because everything's a bit slower. And it's a great way of getting getting out and active and enjoying enjoying nature. Whatever the weather, actually, we cycle pretty much any any weather. My kids were very proud when they were the only bikes in the schoolyard a few years back in minus five. And I was a little bit proud too. So, <laughs> Kat? Um, I do love going for walks uh, in the countryside. Um, I, I do like to get out and you meet people. And especially I, li- I live in the Highlands um, and people are often willing to stop and chat. And there's people you can meet that are using nature in different ways. So some are using it for fitness, some are foraging, um, be it... Um, for blackberries or for more complicated things and it's always nice to have a chat with them and see the ways that we use nature culturally and the connections that we have i do a lot of biological recording uh particularly of my 
my mosses, my lichens, which are things that a lot of people don't really understand. But we've got a fantastic diversity of in Scotland. They really are special. We've got two thirds of Europe's diversity of moss in the UK, but it just looks like a little green squidgy thing to many people. There's a lot of other colours, but hey. Um, and going out, doing this with my little hand lens, I get a lot of people asking, what are you doing? Uh, which is a fair question. Um, and having conversations about that as well and d- about the things that I'm seeing and talking with other naturalists about the things that they've seen of, I don't know, some form of fungus gnat or something that I've never thought of before. It's nice to talk to other people who are appreciating nature in different ways and there are some very strange and wonderful things in the natural um, Scottish landscapes that you will find people who are interested and will share that passion with you. So there are loads of foraging websites on the internet. It is quite accessible and that things do change throughout the year. So it's a hobby that you know changes with the seasons. And I really like that you can find that seasonality of food and that it connects us to what's actually happening in the environment and it could be nice to say oh finally the the wild garlic's out let's have a wild garlic uh, spree and this time of year is mainly lots of berries and um, lots of exciting fungi as well um, uh, mushrooms to to harvest as well so it's always changing I think that's wonderful about nature. I think I'd add that you don't have to go right out into the countryside or right out into the highlands to forage. You can do it in towns, in cities. There are always wild places where there's a bit of nature and there's and that's often some of the best places for foraging. So don't think this isn't something you can't only do if you live out out in the uh, in the wild west or somewhere. You can do it anywhere. Um, I live in a city and most of my foraging is done within the town limits. So don't feel that this is something that isn't accessible to everyone it really really is as long as you've got a a decent pair of shoes and a and a plastic margarine tub that's great thank you so much for coming on both of you um it's been nice hearing your your examples of a quite a wide variety of things that people can go outdoors and and look for and i like that tip of yours Elliot. Of, of a good pair of shoes like it was the first thing I was told when I moved to Scotland is make sure you've got waterproof shoes um, so we, as always I think we encourage everybody to to get outdoors as much as they can and, and do some foraging whether you're looking for fungi or berries or nettles or anything else or even if like cat you just want to go and look for some mosses and lichens and, and find some beauty in nature thanks for listening If you're enjoying Make Space for Nature, please leave a review, follow us and share with others. If you'd like to find out more about how you can connect with and help protect Scotland's natural world, go to nature.scot.com.